0: your host Riri. Welcome to Reimagining Life from Pain to Purpose, where you'll find a community focused on resilience and perseverance, sharing untold stories of hope and rebuilding while dealing with major life interruption. This podcast is made by and for people in the process of reimagining their lives. We're here to raise the voices of those who often suffer in silence, living with chronic pain and or disability. This space is for you, We encourage you to get involved. So stick around and let's jump right into the next episode. Welcome to episode 12. Today we'll be speaking with Lois Strahan. Lois Strahan is the host of the A Different Way of Seeing podcast, a podcast in which she explores topics related to disability. Lois is a disability coach, an activist for those living with disabilities, a best-selling author, an inspirational speaker, and is sometime rock musician. She's totally blind, having lost her sight at the age of 21 as a result of diabetes. In all her work, Lois seeks to empower people with disabilities and to bring greater levels of inclusion and diversity into society and the workplace. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Lois Strachan. And Lois, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy you're here. I'd love if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what makes you a reimaginer.
1: Hi, Riri. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you on the show. My name is Lois, and I guess my story begins way back when I was six years old. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. That's the kind of diabetes that is controlled using insulin. And what I don't think I or my family knew at the time, but discovered much to our shock and concern, was that about 60% of people who've been living with diabetes for a number of years often develop side effects, including problems with their eyesight. And when I was 21, um, having followed a year of laser surgery on my eyes, followed by six surgical operations, three on each eye, I landed up being diagnosed as being totally blind, which meant that my world suddenly looked very different from how I had always imagined that it would. And yeah, I guess that was the first situation in which I really found myself as having to reimagine what was possible for me, what my future might look like, and the way I reacted
0: in yeah. that. that must have been such a shock and that's so much to try to take in. How did you handle the massive challenge of trying to learn to live as a blind person in a sighted world?
1: I think when it comes down to it, I consider that I was really lucky. I had everything that I needed to help me adjust to that change. I had an amazingly supportive group of friends and family who, apart from one or two exceptions, most people stayed with me. They worked with me. They kind of learned and grew with me Mm -hmm. as I began exploring the world, which was so different. I had the attitudinal assets that I needed. I've always been someone who loves solving problems, who loves solving puzzles. So that really worked in my favor. And, and I also had the same, the asset of having an attitude that was kind of, well, this has happened, so what now? Mm. And it was, for me, I'm not going to say it was an easy adjustment, but all things being relative, my process of adjusting to living without sight was a lot easier and less fraught than that experienced by a number of other people that I've met or whose stories I've heard along the way. So I I really did. I had had everything that I needed to help me adjust to that change. And I'm really, really grateful that that was the case. That's quite remarkable. And
0: obviously said a lot about who you are as a person to be able to have that perspective and just continue on like that. Were there any particular techniques or strategies that you found especially helpful?
1: I probably didn't realize at the time, but looking back now over a period of a number of years, I realized that the way that I adapt the the way that I adjust to new things has been fairly consistent over the years. So it's simple techniques like rather than feeling overwhelmed by facing a brand new task that seems so overwhelming and so hard to to just get your brain around, mm-hmm. the ability to break that down into simple steps and knowing that all I have to do is to take just the next step because taking even a single step forward has meant that it opens up new opportunities things get clearer the further i move through that challenge that obstacle that new experience and just taking one step at a time really does help me i think to to adjust to any new experience I have no. to say that the other thing that I think is really useful mm-hmm. is simply the ability to laugh at myself mm-hmm. and some of the silly things that I've done when yeah. things go wrong because I may not be able to control all the things that happen to me or around me. All I can control is the way I react to what
0: Yeah. That's very, very wise and impressive, really. So, how did this massive change impact you emotionally? You know, obviously, there are all these physical adaptations that you're trying to get used to this new world. And I feel like we're so often trying to deal with the physical changes and survival mode that many times the emotional aspect kind of doesn't really get addressed. How was that for you?
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think that for much of the time, when that shift had to happen I was far too busy focusing on the realities of the physical changes I was far too busy focusing on how to move forward not the emotional implications now at the time that probably felt like a good thing because at 21 I'm not certain I really had the emotional maturity Mm -hmm. to realize the long-term consequences of it but overall I think that it was probably a good thing for me back then it's given me time to adjust to the emotional side and I mean I'm not saying that everything's 100% bright and rosy all the time now of course Everybody has bad days. And yes, I still have bad days. There are days that I just don't want to climb out of bed. Mm -hmm. I just want to jump back into bed, cover my head with the duvet and, and stay there. But having the time to adjust to that emotional change, having the support system that gave me the space that I needed was, I think, important having the attitude that goes, okay, so this is the reality and how am I going to move forward? That also helps. So I think there really were a lot of things. You can't segregate parts of your brain. Right. Process these things. Everything is just there. Mm -hmm. So it was very much a case of, okay, so, but now what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's quite
0: impressive. So, How do you stay motivated these days in the face of challenges and, and what are your greatest challenges these days?
1: I don't really struggle with motivation. I've always been very goal focused. Mm -hmm. So as long as I have something that I'm moving towards, that usually gives me the energy. It builds up the resilience that I need to kind of go, there's a purpose, there's a reason for me to pick myself up and keep moving forward. So I do try to keep focusing on achieving goals, things that I want to set for myself, things that I want to achieve, things that I want to experience or do, or just things that I enjoy. And I use those a lot of times to help keep me motivated. In terms of the challenges, you know, over the years working within the disability community, I've, Come to the realization that I can do pretty much anything, provided I have the tools and the technique and the attitude to find a way to do it. The biggest challenge that I face, and I think it's true for many people living with disability, the biggest challenge we face is the barriers that are placed in our way by other people whose perceptions of what they think is possible for us is based on a highly outdated, stereotypical view of disability. So for me, I think that is the biggest challenge because people don't expect anything from me. The expectations are so low Mm -hmm. that they really, they react to me as though I am unable. And then they're surprised when I can do far more than they think I can. So I think I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge that I face. And I would say that a lot of people who are in the same position as I am, living with disabilities, would probably... Be able to resonate with that comment.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was at first just like reveling in what you started with, which is that basically you can do anything as long as you have the right tools in place. And that is such a powerful statement. And how great to know that and to feel that way. Like, you know what? I can find my way around anything. And then, you know, you're talking about the people on the external people who have these expectations that are totally outdated and who knows where they get them from. And I don't know, for me, I kind of feel like it's an even greater victory if you can surprise people and teach them, like, don't underestimate
1: people. And here's why. And you can show them. You know, the reality is that things change every day. And Yes, there are things that I'm going to try that I will not be able to do yet, but maybe tomorrow there'll be a new technique available. Maybe next year there'll be a new tool available. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the exciting bit about living in the world that we live in, because things are always changing. So often we hear people saying that change is hard, change is difficult, but there's always the flip side that change is exciting change opens new opportunity. And I mean, I'm learning new things every day. And as long as I can keep doing that, I think I'm doing something that's okay.
0: Pretty great. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, most of our listeners, I think are in and around the United States. You're living in South Africa, where you live when you were diagnosed. And I'm wondering if you could just paint us a little picture of what is it like for people living with chronic illnesses and disability in South Africa? I know that's a big question. (laughs)
1: How (laughs) long do we have?
0: (laughs) If you could just give the littlest sense of, you know, what is it like? How are people with chronic illness and disability viewed there?
1: I guess the first place to start is to say that at this stage in South Africa, we don't have anything like the ADA. We don't have any legal protection of the rights of persons with disabilities that is protected in law. We do have a fantastic constitution that gives us really great human rights, but we don't have the legal protection of something like the ADA. And that obviously has implications. Mm-hmm. The other yeah. thing to bear in mind that South Africa's a it's a country of extremes, of contrasts, of diversity. And that can be both really exciting, really thrilling, but it's also quite challenging. So we have far too much unemployment, mm. far too little education, we have poverty, we have Extremes of richness and poverty, third world, first world, rural, urban. I mean, there are so many contradictions that exist and contrasts within the country. And that all has huge implications. So for me, living in an urban area in Cape Town, there are a couple of things that really work in my favor. There are a number of organizations that are they serving the needs of persons with disabilities? Mm-hmm. Because I'm in an urban centre. Mm-hmm. There are many people still living out in the outside of the the urban centres who don't have access to those services. Now, the services are not as developed as they might be in in the USA or in Canada or in Europe, but they are still there. In terms of education, there are schools for the disabled, there are rehabilitation centers, the, the, the blindness training centers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There are a number of those, but they are under-resourced and they are perhaps not as as able to provide services as we might hope. Yeah. Having said that, South Africa is a country with a really traumatic history, apartheid, colonialism, and there's a huge amount of impact that that has. But I also feel that South Africa is a country that breeds resilience, Mm. it breeds innovation, it breeds problem-solving skills, and it has resulted in some truly amazing people. And I say for myself, from my lived experience, That generally, the experiences I have as a totally blind person being out and about in South Africa, people are amazing. Mm. They may not always understand that my guide dog is a guide dog rather than just a dog. They might not know always how to engage with me, but they're usually willing to try. And that can spark conversations, it can spark opportunities, it can spark. Yeah, I suppose the opportunities for for change and learning Mm -hmm. and
0: growth. Absolutely. That's such a positive perspective to have. And yeah, you're just so open and honest. And that's really, I think,
1: inspiring, hopefully for others as well. I know I am always aware that I am speaking from a position of privilege. I do have a strong support system. I do have access to support services. I do have the financial security of knowing that I am able to do the things that I want. And I know that makes me one of a very small minority of persons with disabilities in South Africa. And I guess that's part of the reason that I am called to do the work that I do Right to to try and make a difference for other people with disabilities who don't have the same opportunities that I do.
0: Yeah, it's quite, it's an important role. Also kind of a lot of responsibility. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, that also, you know, I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit about your podcast. I love the name of it, A Different Way of Seeing. What are your goals for the podcast? Can, And what kind of response
1: have you gotten
0: from folks?
1: So I I guess taking it one step back, the podcast is called A Different Way of Seeing, which has kind of become something of my brand Mm -hmm. because it's the name of one of my books, of my memoir. It's also typical of the way I approach life. I look to see things in a different way. And the podcast started, I think it's five years ago now. Wow! And it started off originally as an accessible travel podcast Mm. where I was talking to people with disabilities who explore the world of travel and some of their experiences, the travel experiences that are accessible to people with disabilities and just anything to do with travel and about it probably now about 18 months ago, once I realized that when COVID, things were still changing and that was a great time for me to look at bringing that brand under a little bit closer to what I was doing more usually in my work. Mm -hmm. I changed it from travel to just more generally about disability. And I've been interviewing people since gosh, I'd say the last 18 months and really exploring what opportunities are out there for people with disabilities, not just in South Africa, but around the world. Right. And my aim with the podcast, my hopes for the podcast is that I can reach other people with disability to show them that there is more that is possible for them than they might possibly be currently thinking. But it's also for people without disability to show some of the things that are possible for us that they might not have thought of. And in terms of the response, I've had a great response from people who are in my target audience, people with disabilities who are going, wow, I never knew that was possible. Mm -hmm. Or Some people without disabilities who listen to the occasional episode and go, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) They didn't know that was possible. But I think one of the challenges we face as persons with disabilities is that for people who have no direct link with disability, they kind of look at things that are related to disability and go, it's an SEP, it's someone else's problem." It's not part of my reality. Therefore, it is not relevant to me. Right. And that I think is one of the struggles that we face is how to break down that barrier to to look at our shared humanity, our our commonality, that people with disabilities are just like everybody else. We just do things in a different technique. And I think that is one of the biggest barriers that we face. You know, we we have the the saying within the disability community nothing without her. Mm -hmm. But I think the flip side of that is often that there's almost this perception that if it's from the non-disabled community, if it's about disability, it's not for people without Mm disabilities. And that can get really frustrating. Yeah, because all people are people. (laughs) We're all people first. Yeah. Wow. Well, I
0: very much admire what you're doing and I've listened to a number of your episodes and I think they're really great they get to important points especially around employment and some others I hope people
1: really respond to I so, love like talking about their story I get to learn and discover new things every person I talk to and it's just fun totally agree <laughs> I feel the same way so what
0: what are you most proud of? related to the podcast. Is there like, a
1: particular like episode or goal? I was thinking about, you know, every episode is special. Every episode there's I learn something new from talking to people. And that's really one of the best things for me about doing it. Some of the times I get to interview people and the responses I get are unexpected. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the fun as well. Yeah, it's a to to thing. I don't have a favorite episode because each one is special to me. Mm-hmm. But one of the ones that has been most meaningful to me, I think, was I think it was episode 79, where I interviewed Richard Riemann from Imagination Storybooks. Mm. And Imagination Storybooks is an organization that makes illustrated children's book accessible for readers who are blind and who are deaf. So they have audio described the images from the book. They also do video versions of the books with sign language interpretation. And for me as an adult reader, I've got all sorts of different ways of accessing books. But for young children, they don't often have as many. So that was probably one of my most special episodes because of, I think, the amazing work that imagination storybooks are doing.
0: Absolutely. And also for for younger kids, reading or being read to is so important at that age in terms of their growing minds that it's so awesome that they can reach these kids who often maybe otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity.
1: I think for me, it's even more than that. We often talk about books being both windows into other people's experiences Mm -hmm. and mirrors of our own experience. And for me, it allows both of those to happen. It allows other children to see into the world that is inhabited by children who are deaf or children who are blind. But also it allows those children the children who are deaf, the children who are blind, to see themselves reflected in the books. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, breeds greater inclusion.
0: Really wonderful. So, you know, we've talked a bit about your podcast and work, and and I know that you're also an author and a speaker, and you're sort of a, a woman who can do it all. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering... You know, what are your future goals for yourself?
1: It's one of the exciting things because I never know where my life is going to go next. (laughs) I mean, yes, the things that I do know is that I am going to continue working in the space, helping to increase the inclusion of persons with disabilities into society in the workplace. Mm -hmm. How that will play out, I don't always know. Yes, I'll probably continue writing. Yes. I will continue the podcast, but apart from that, it's a blank page, Mm. and that's part of the excitement. Yeah, opportunity. Yeah, for sure.
0: Excellent. Okay. Now we've come to our rapid fire, five for five questions. Please answer honestly and quickly, whatever comes to mind. So the first question is, what is your favorite sound?
1: My dog barking. (laughs) Do you have a favorite word? I don't. As long as it's the right word in the right environment. Hmm. Plenty. All words. All words have power. All words have meaning. So yeah, no one specific favorite word.
0: That's a good answer.
1: Do you have a favorite guilty pleasure? Probably reading cozy mysteries. (laughs)
0: that sounds lovely i don't know that it's guilty but
1: (laughs) you know i often i think people kind of look at cozy mysteries as being well you know it's a bit like a few years ago people used to think romance books were like oh no yeah readers don't read romance (laughs) you know i don't read mystery because i find they get a little bit hectic and my brain's Mm -hmm. getting a little bit bruised by mysteries or crime Cozy mysteries allow me to indulge the problem solving, the puzzles without being exposed to the violence. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Sounds like a smart selection then. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what's something you've learned that you wish other people
1: would understand? We're all the same and yet all unique. Well said.
0: And the last one, what advice would you give to an
1: 18 year old you oh my (laughs) keep going that even if things don't always make sense right now that they will in time that's great so
0: you have completed our five for five (laughs) you get an award (laughs)
1: no
0: but that those are all of my questions i've really enjoyed speaking with you do you have anything else you wanted to
1: add or say just to say that I'd, I'd really love for your listeners to look up a different way of seeing the podcast or the book and give it a try. Absolutely. You never know what you'll discover.
0: Yeah. And we'll put links to the podcast and Lois's information when we post this episode. All right. So thank you so much. This episode revealed the real importance of having a support system in place perspective, and positive thinking while adjusting to a major life-changing medical condition. Lois lost her sight at age 21 due to the side effects of type 1 diabetes. In an incredibly powerful way, Lois speaks about how having supportive family and friends around her, in addition to her own positive, forward-facing attitude, were so key in helping her learn to be a blind person in a sighted world. She talks about how she had everything she needed. It was just a matter of problem solving, like with puzzles, which she always enjoyed. This is not usually the way someone describes dealing with losing their sight and having to learn to move around and live in a completely different way. Lois's optimism and enthusiasm are infectious. As she can quickly shift from talking about a really difficult situation to making a joke that points to some sort of irony. Lois remains highly motivated to continue to solve problems, be creative, and find new opportunity thanks to her goal oriented approach. She just might be the most resilient person I've met, at least thus far. Thanks for listening to Reimagining Life from Pain to Purpose. We're always interested to hear your feedback and questions, so leave a review and drop us a note at reimagininglifepodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. We hope you'll tune in for the next episode.